Hi, friends. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts with the Better Events podcast. My co-host, Mary Davidson, and I are so excited for this week's episode where we are diving into hybrid events. It's something we're seeing more and more come up with our conversations with clients as we look ahead to the fall and to next year. And we're very excited to sit down with one of our friends, Anka Trifon from Trifon Events and the Events Demystified podcast to learn tips and tricks about how she creates polished hybrid events and the costs behind actually putting on a hybrid event. And before we jump into our discussion, I do want to remind you to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, and as always, if you can write us a five-star review, tell us what you think about the podcast, that'll help us grow this better events community. But without further ado, let's get into our episode, our discussion with Anka and all about hybrid events. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, everyone. How's it going? I feel like we're doing good. I was trying to think of what we wanted to do to kick off this episode today. We were thinking about talking about something that's making us happy and so I'll go first, Mary, give you a little time to think about it. But something that's been making me happy, happy recently is I just got back from my first in-person event. And I guess I would call it hybrid. So it's very on theme for today's discussion because it was a sporting event and the athletes and all the event staff were in person, but there were no fans. And so I had the realization that I've been doing hybrid events for years because a lot of times I do work on live sporting events where there's it's a hybrid event. There's an in-person, in-stadium audience, and there's the at-home audience watching on TV. And those experiences are two very different experiences. So it was this weird aha moment because I know I was feeling a little nervous as hybrid events get started, wondering what the difference was, and then all of a sudden realizing that I've been doing them. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today, I feel like is going to be very relevant to that. But Mary, what's making you happy recently? Well, I would say a couple different things. So one thing on like a personal level, I got a hammock and I've been thinking about it for a long time. So it's a big deal. I finally got one. I put it in my backyard. And so now I've been working a little bit more out there. Not when I have a video call because that would be a bad angle, right? But just you when I do play with the board. angles. <laughs> I can play with the angles. Yeah. I like to slouch in my hammock. And so um, it's fun to be able to do work out there. And then from the event side of things as well, I am working on this nine day event that's coming up and there's a huge production team to make it happen. And so I've been meeting so many people who, once again, we've talked about this a little bit on pod podcasts before, but it's so fun because I never would have known them if it weren't for this virtual setting. And so it's just been a pleasure to get to know these talented individuals who live all over the place. And so that's been really fun to, to get to know each other better. Very cool. Yes. No, we love, we love a good virtual events team. Um, and that is a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today, which is all about tips and tricks for creating polished hybrid events. And we are so excited for our guest. We have Anka with us, who we actually were on her, her podcast, and that will be coming out in the coming weeks and months, uh, talking about the power of uh, community over competition. So like Mary was just saying, it was very, very cool. But um, without further ado, I'm going to add Anka in here. And 
I'm going to give her a quick intro and then let her introduce herself. So Anka is the founder and creator and CEO for TreeFan Events, a boutique event planning and production agency that is offering event production consultation and planning, experience design, production management, and live streaming for live, virtual, and hybrid events. She's the event host of Events Demystified, a tactical podcast for anyone in the events industry, beginner or pro, where entrepreneurs, event professionals, influencers, and event industry leaders from the events community share their personal and professional experiences with her audience. Welcome, Anka. We're so happy to have you. <laughs> I had to use it. <laughs> Yes, she comes no, with her own sound effects. We you know that, all that the time. connected with the fact that you just came from a sporting event. I'm like, I gotta use it. I better, I better hit the right one because I also have like this sad trombone. I'm like, that would have not been appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's more than maybe when we ask you to end to wrap it up. That's when you do the sad trombone. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, it's so exciting to be here with you, ladies, and I am excited about today's episode. We had so much fun last time we recorded together, so. I expect nothing less. So, <laughs> um, introduction. I feel like you hit all the main points, Logan. I don't know what else I should say. Yeah, maybe I should probably talk about more on a personal side. Um, I am uh, a mom. I'm a wife. I'm an entrepreneur. I have two uh, beautiful children. Um, it's uh, easy sometimes to uh, forget that I do because I work so much. I know that sounds horrible. Um, but no, really, I enjoy, you know, being able to work from home and I spent a lot of time with them in the last, you know, 18 months since COVID. And um, we just came off from this amazing glamping uh, 4th of July adventure and it was so good to be off grid and just leave work home leave it in the office for a little bit and be able to just disconnect and um, and enjoy like literally have that quality time be in the moment be present because I feel like sometimes it's so easy to forget and just you know be run by your schedule and your calendar and all the meetings and all the things that we do right totally thank you so much for doing the personal introduction I feel like we need to do that more sometime with our guests we need to get on the personal level because it's just so much more relatable and so we're so grateful to have you thank you for being here and uh, we want to touch on a little bit of why we asked you to come on the podcast which from your bio I think listeners could kind of figure out why that might be um, but there's there's a handful of reasons and part of it's what we talked about earlier which is that it's proof that the virtual world is just amazing at connecting so we all met virtually. We've never met in person, um, but we've gotten to know each other better. We work together and it's just been a pleasure to get to know one another more. And so for that reason, um, we thought it'd be great to have Anka come on because she has a tremendous amount of experience with hybrid events. Um, she has previous experience pre-pandemic with hybrid events. Um, she's also a fellow podcaster, like we mentioned in her bio, and extremely talented with all things event and production. And so uh, hybrid events right now, for some, are a mystery. They kind of feel scary because they seem new or more people are doing them. And so we believe that this topic is timely and will help everyone during uh, their future of event planning, really. We hope we hope it will at least. And so with that being said, we'll jump right in with our first question, which is super basic, but I think it's good to kind of start from the beginning, especially for those that might be listening who are new to the event industry. So what what would you what would you say is a hybrid event? And is this a new idea or has it been happening pre-pandemic? 
Well, that's an excellent question, Mary. And I love that uh, Logan kind of sort of gave a little bit of, an, uh, of the answer to that because um, I love your realization that you actually been doing, you know, hybrid events and we maybe might not have called them hybrid events the same way we haven't talked about, you know, or even called uh, events that we do now, virtual events, but that doesn't mean that we haven't streamed or broadcasted events in the past, right? So when it comes to the topic of what are hybrid events, uh, quite simply, you think of a hybrid event of something that is a mix of live and a virtual event, and something that you can take your live event, complete with an audience, the content, and you add a virtual component to it so your audience can participate and engage with your event no matter where they are. And um, when, you know, when events will go back to physical venues and they have started in many places and, uh, you know, depending where you're geographically, you might have different um, regulations and rules based uh, for that. But where we're at right now, we already had, I already had in June, um, a few of uh, hybrid events. And um, what was good about incorporating this virtual aspect to the in-person event is being able to reach a much larger audience. And we had an uh, attendee on location while the majority of our audience really was online. And uh, when it comes to virtual uh, event, that's fantastic. But a hybrid event also means that you have to uh, strive to strike a balance because neither side of your audience should feel alienated or you need to think about the content uh, delivery and the content strategy behind all the things that you're going to put out there and how will that meet, you know, the needs of the in-person and the virtual audience. And I feel like that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And also having the engagement um, thing as something that is essential as it was for virtual events, it will continue to be essential for hybrid events because it will distinguish what makes this hybrid event different from like just a regular in-person event because of all the tech elements that we're incorporating now to be able to reach this wider audience. And, um, you know, your audience might watch your event like they would watch something on television. Uh, but if you want them to be engaged, you might want to have to think about ways in which you're going to do that, either via a platform or other uh, engagement uh, methods and tools that uh, can be used to um, to um to engage this audience. And I guess one of the things that uh, I want to like highlight is what a hybrid event is not is streaming all your sessions and hoping that somebody will watch them <laughs> or sharing some type of video content after your event or putting your live audience before your online audience. What a hybrid event is, is having this streamline and uh, seamless integration of technology to facilitate participation between the live and the virtual audiences. And this experience will have to somehow cater to both the audience that's virtually uh, in a view-friendly way, as well as the audience that's in person that might have such a great time that they might, not, no, might, they might not want to engage with this virtual audience. And I've heard that, you know, from other 
event professionals that they just joined this hybrid experience, a hybrid event, and the online audience was kind of left off, kind of forgotten because you're having so much fun in the moment, engaging and connecting with people, especially after time, because you haven't been able to do that in person for a while. And now it's like this uh, virtual audience is having a huge case of FOMO <laughs> because they can do that. So then you do have to figure out a way how you're going to cater either through a different experience, maybe a VIP experience, maybe different content so that they don't feel like, oh, we're on the sidelines here, like watching this match, uh, but we're not really interacting in any way because nobody wants us. <laughs> Anka, I feel like you hit the nail on the head. That's something that I think pre-pandemic, a lot of people would say they were doing a hybrid event, but like you said, it was a static camera in the back of the room. It was more of like a fly in the wall experience. And most of the focus and the planning portion and the engagement was really on the people in the room physically there. And so I know that's something that as a event planner producer, I'm excited about for the innovation that's going to happen as we get challenged to think about those things. Um, and how have you found that when you've been helping clients through this hybrid process since your background's in production? So you know the tools that you need to be able to pull off a quality hybrid event. Are you encouraging them to think about the audiences as two separate groups? Are you encouraging them to try to bring them together? What is the framing you're doing? You know, first off, I guess the question becomes, um, does a hybrid event model uh, make sense for everyone? Just because you're going to be uh, hosting and producing an event doesn't mean that it has to be hybrid. So um, the first question you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, as part of the strategy uh, process is why are you planning and hosting this event in the first place? And what is your event's goal? You start with the um, end in mind and also you you know have to take in consideration um, this um, idea of duty of care and what that means is what are the standards that we have to meet when we're considering putting all these people in one room and what type of risk assessment uh, is necessary to make sure that we understand what goes into that because safety and creating you know safe uh, on-site environment for all attendees has to be one of the main priorities and then uh, figure out how you're going to cater for this um, online audience that might have a different experience uh, uh, than your uh, in-person audience. That's the next um, step that you're going to have to uh, process through and come up with a game plan. Just hoping for things to work out <laughs> and having no plan probably is what you know you see and you will see a lot in the next events coming up but that's not necessarily the best strategy because what's going to happen is if i attend your event and your event and i'm the say online attendee and your event just puts me as you know um last place and uh, I feel that because nobody's connecting with me. There's no a virtual MC to tell me what's happening, what's next. There's just some content that's being fed and I'm supposed to be picking up the best pieces of that, you know. Um, I won't attend the next event you're going to plan, right? So uh, the first hybrid event that you're going to plan, it's very important because it kind of sets the tone for everything else that's coming from here. So when it comes to that, I feel like there's a few things that you should consider. You have to think of uh, the content that has to be designed to include the people in the room, but also those online as well. You have to think of the attendees in the room that maybe have a way to watch what's broadcasted, you know, because that was another uh, feed, uh, feedback that we just, you know, I um, I helped produce a hybrid conference in June, mid-June. And one of the feedback that we received was the uh, in-person attendee 
had no idea what the online attendee was receiving. So they were like, well, I don't know what they were like watching or how they were, you know, keeping um, engaged because we were not able to see that side. Like we were kind of like, here's our event, here's what we're going to do and have fun. But then what they're doing on the other side, we don't really know. At the same time, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of interest from in-person, an in-person attendee to want to engage with the virtual attending when they had like a whole array of people to, you know, network with. But giving the option, giving the opportunity, especially on for some event, you know, like that by default is a networking event. I think it's something very important that has to be considered. And you might need, you know, a camera crew in the room that is patched into the streaming service, you know, doing B-roll and following people around and giving behind the scenes, you know, uh, views of what's happening so that you really truly feel like you are part of that event and you're, uh, you belong there and you're not just, you know, the fly on the wall that's supposed to be taking in whatever is given without much feedback in return, you know. And of course, on a higher budget, because we're going to touch a little bit on budget because you cannot talk, you know, about hybrid events without touching on budget. Um, you're going to, you know, uh, think of like things that the more money you have to spend on this hybrid experience, the more you can make it uh, very involved and um, you can have people uh, given the ability, especially uh, who's watching virtually, to pick the camera angles that they want to uh, select and they want to view, right? But just... The, just talking about that involves another level of, of technology and involves more equipment, involves more labor, involves more money. So in the beginning, I don't foresee that a lot of the regular events that we would do would have that type of budget. They would probably want to elevate their experience, you know, one step at a time. But uh, but someone that is like, you know, has the budget like go all out. Like <laughs> I encourage you to go all out and do the best you can because you're going to see um, the difference in the way your audience is going to interact either in person or virtually. I feel like that transitions really well into a conversation that we can continue to have about um, budget for hybrid events. Cause I'm back here. I'm thinking like, I see the value in them. Absolutely. Um, especially when like you're saying you focus on the why and you think of the end goal of the event. I also have like dollar signs like flashing in my eyes right now because I'm like, that's just, it's going to, it's going to be expensive. Um, but then again, I don't, I don't really know. So how would you say if we start kind of from, from the basics again, so how do we have a polished hybrid event on a budget? If we're starting kind of smaller, what can we do? Well, uh, what's funny about COVID and the pandemic is that it changed the event budget to a production budget. <laughs> so we don't necessarily have so much about, you know, uh, the cost that we used to have with regular events, which mostly was taken by venue and food and beverage and um, entertainment and, you know, speakers and keynotes and who, who knows what else. Now, you know, there's a lot of um, money that will have to be allocated. And if you didn't have that budget line in the past, you might just have to, you know, make it <laughs> and create it. Because um, the question to your question, are hybrid events more costly? Well, I guess the quick, simple answer is yes and no. <laughs> because 
at first, as we're looking at gathering in person again, we will have smaller meetings, smaller gatherings, smaller events that will take in small uh, place in smaller rooms. The cost of in-person AV production would technically be smaller as well. And same way would go to uh, uh, food and beverage cost and uh, to the production cost, however, you will need to add the, the cost of technology necessary to not just stream your events somewhere online, but possibly sustain um, and create this online venue via an app or a platform, as we are mentioning, to be able to create that engagement and give the virtual audience an experience, not just you know a way of watching your event. So they can meet, they can interact, they can engage, they can partake in this event, and um, in a in a way that's easy and helpful to make meaningful connections and to be able to maybe schedule you know intentional one on one meetings possibly powered by AI match uh, matchmaking and participating in ways in which they they're there to make um, best use of their time. So with that being said, um, I feel like there's definitely going to be plenty of events that won't be using a specific event platform to accomplish this and. Therefore, they will be keeping their costs lower, but at a minimum, you will need that budget line that I just mentioned because you will have uh, the in-person AV production, but also the streaming technology that will enable you so um, that, you know, whatever content, whatever is happening in your in-person event um, is streamed online. Uh, not just by itself, but also in conjunction with some other content that will be specifically uh, designed for this um, online experience. Now, luckily, in the last year and a half since we embarked on this new journey with virtual events, there's been so many resources that came out to help host and produce events that are virtual. The only barrier, I guess, to that has been time, really, whatever, how much time it requires for someone to learn and master all the tools that are out there. So I guess to recap really quick, while venue, food and beverage and cost, you know, went away for virtual events, production costs went up, and that will be the same with hybrid events. The production costs will still be your number one line item. The good news is that maybe, you know, if we're to talk about sponsor sponsorships, that could be one way where you could sell sponsorship to cover the cost of this event production. And maybe the ticket sale could be your revenue. Uh, because of the headcount reduction in the beginning, um, that just means that you will have some savings in the, you know, reduction in meals. But, um, and that will obviously leave some room for having more budget towards your production to make sure that you're able to produce a, a polished event. So I guess a rule of thumb, I was doing the math on some of the events that I've already worked on and I'm, I'm already, you know, budgeting for some um, hybrid events in the fall. Uh, the tech portion could be approximately 1.7 to 2.0 times more than your in-person or virtual event. And that's important to, you know, to consider because um, another thing that I've ran into personally was doing events in a couple of different um, locations uh, aside away from where I'm located currently and the vendors that I used to work with for in-person events they're no longer there they're no longer present and now here's like a whole um, a hole that's being created like a black hole um, that's been created for resources that before I could count on and before I could, um, um, you know, 
vet because I've used them before. So because of that, I felt like the prices of even in-person production has sort of like gone up the roof because even event production houses, they they are thinking of their budget and thinking, okay, am I going to have enough labor? I might not have enough labor. So then I have to actually charge more thinking that I might have to hire at a higher rate than what I used to pay my technicians just last year. Right. So now everybody's kind of adding just that buffer of extra, just in case, you know, like, I don't know what's going to be like in the fall. Like, uh, is my technician going to be like $50 an hour or $150 an hour? Like, I don't know, but I have to prepare because I need to create that buffer for me as a provider and a supplier and then that just you know gets put on me as a producer and that gets passed on to the client and it's just this rolling effect of a snowball that's like uh, some of the events that um, I used to um, uh, plan and produce I've got proposals on just for the in-person um audiovisual production that were three times as much. Oh my and gosh. I was like somewhat like shocked. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I've heard like, this. No, there's there's other event professionals that we've been talking with who were saying that there's, if, do you call it like price gouging or just kind of the rebound from COVID? Yeah. But I'm with you that I think some of it's not even people trying to make up for lost time, but it is, there's a labor shortage already yeah. from people pivoted out of events once everything shut down. And then, I mean, I think the more complimentary side that I'm finding is people that are good at virtual event production are busy and getting hired more and therefore either rates are going up or like you said, you just need to be more competitive and have that buffer in case you need to hire new people or train people or whatever it is. I think though what I'm excited about hearing you you talk about all of that, Anka, is that yeah, the, the in-person rule of thumb is always like, how do you save money? It's like invite less people because your food and beverage <laughs> goes down. You know, anybody who's planning a wedding, that's what your wedding planner will tell you no matter what it's like. If you want to save costs, invite less people. Yep. Um, and But the the opportunity there with hybrid is its scalability. That sure, certain platforms, like you're saying, those virtual event platforms do charge per person. Yeah. But doing a stream on YouTube or something that it, you're putting all your money in the labor and the talent behind it versus a big fancy virtual venue, you know, mm -hmm. that's incredibly scalable. You could have... 50 yeah. people watch it, or you could have 5,000 people watch it and the cost wouldn't go up for that, which I think is an exciting part that I'm hoping anybody listening to this, who's thinking yeah. about having a hybrid aspect, you know, big, that kind of key takeaway that you can make it scalable and, you know, have that really good return on your investment. But it's not just by having a static camera in the back of the room and expecting people to show up because attendees expectations yeah. you know, are higher. So. Exactly. And to add to that, I mean, some of the easiest ways to make that um, event have this polished look is like branding. You know, spend some time to create some branded graphics, some transitions, backgrounds, labels, which are events, colors, and fonts. And that instantly gives you a well-rounded look to your event that um, Zoom never will. <laughs> So that's already talking about on a budget, right? Like it, it doesn't, I mean, yes, it might take a little bit of creative power and um, some people are better at that than others, but um, that in itself could be your um, ticket to creating this polished production. Um, and another thing like adding to that, just to keep things simple, right? Because I could be going in all of the in-person production is don't, um, don't over... Uh, 
overthink your event, but also do not skimp on rehearsals and technical checks because um, that's something that will definitely make or break your event. But with that in mind, don't forget that those hours that you're, you're spending on technical checks and rehearsals account towards budgeting. So you have to be able to uh, have include the test hours part of your budget because um, that is going to go into it. Like you're going to have to pay the production crew. Uh, maybe pre-recording your content is a more budget-friendly option in that case. And uh, you should take uh, advantage of that. Um, another thing that I was going to mention here is like, for example, uh, because I just came out of um, two events in which I had... Um, two hybrid events with two different uh, experiences, two different experiences. One of them was really good. The other one was not so good. And the difference in that was um, the crew, the production crew that I had for those events. So with that being said, you know, having quality labor, having um, professionals that have done in-person events and have done virtual events um, is not just a cost effective way instead of having two different production houses to do the two different things like here's the in-person in, in production here's the live stream production uh, but trying to find a partner that can do both uh, but again goes back to being able to veto those people and be able to say hey I've worked with them before I know the type of um, um, you know uh, production they can uh, deliver. I know the type of uh, people that they are, and I know that they uh, provide quality with everything that they do. And uh, that could be um, a budget uh, saver where you have the same production house doing the, the different things. It's, that's not to say that you're going to use less people. With hybrid event, by default, you're going to have more people behind that tech table in the back than before. Because it's not just, you know, the audio engineer and the video uh, switcher in the room and the lighting uh, tech. You're going to have to have a broadcasting engineer and a director and a producer. And you're going to have all these people that not just only manage, like the producer could be managing the in-person and the virtual, but someone will have to call the show. Someone will have to be able to make some decisions on to, okay, what? goes in person versus what goes um, online and, and having the broadcast engineer as well to be able to um, not babysit the stream, but make sure that nothing goes. <laughs> troubleshoot. Yeah, uh, be there yeah, to troubleshoot. troubleshoot. Exactly. Um, that just means more people. And then cameras, you know, you can't just have, like you said, like the one main iMag in the back of the room, even if he has like this, you know, long throw lens that you can zoom in all the way. That usually gives uh, a quite of a boring and very tiring look fast for an online audience. So you're going to want to have a few different cameras with different looks that could either be manned, which means additional guys um, or a gals or PTZ cameras that could, you know, be something that you um, could save on labor, but you still have to have someone to be able to um, control. control them. So there's a lot of things that go into this hybrid production and just knowing about it without being afraid and terrified uh, because your head is already like filled of like, oh my gosh, I don't even understand what, what she's talking about. Um, I think uh, leaving, um, putting fear aside and just starting with, um, just start smaller. Like we right now are thinking about taking the invert, the in, a virtual event and adding a small in-person audience. And at one point in the fall, we're going to do 
making, um, planning for a in-person gathering and adding a virtual audience, right? But right now we're like in the other part of the equation where we had a virtual experience. Now we're trying to add a smaller gathering and our cost will follow with that. But then eventually we're going to want to have this in-person event that might grow and still be able to reach a wider audience with the virtual aspect of that, right? So start somewhere small, whatever you're comfortable with. If you had success with a virtual event uh, in last year, start there and then add the smaller component of in-person. If you only did in-person gatherings and you were really good at planning an in-person event, start there with a smaller event and then add a smaller component to like streaming to YouTube, like you said, Logan, right? Or streaming to Vimeo or somewhere, uh, you know, on a uh, hosted website and on a landing page. And that, that way you ease into it without, you know, getting caught up in all this technology that, uh, it seems scary at first, right? I mean, everybody's like terrified just thinking about it, like, oh my gosh. And as far as, you know, budget goes, uh, think of business events. Um, the budget that it took for a business event, now that's going to become a, the conference hybrid budget. And that's something that you have to keep in mind. And then for the special events, think of a TV production budget. That's what's going to take to make this event so special, such an amazing experience that nobody's going to want to miss it, you know, and everybody's going to walk away, you know, remembering that event. Yeah. And I've been thinking about some of my clients and I feel like they are just kind of discounting hybrid. I was expecting more people that I've been working with to be like, yes, let's do hybrid. But I found myself kind of trying, having to convince them or just saying like, well, don't discount it. Like, let's have a conversation to see if it makes sense for you or not. So I feel like I hope that those who are listening have gained this. And I know that I have today that, well, hopefully we've convinced you that it could be worth it for you. And so at least consider it and have the conversation. Um, and figure out if it makes sense for you. But I, I'm motivated. I feel like I'm, while we've been talking, I have these ideas going through my head. I'm like, oh, but if we did this or what if we did this, that could be super fun. And I'm sure I'll have future conversations with you, Anka, too, because <laughs> you're obviously a wealth of knowledge. So just thank you so much for sharing what you've shared with us today. We truly appreciate it. Um, and then if you could just let our guests know, we're going to put it in the show notes as well, but where can they find you on social media? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the podcast. Um, I feel like this conversation could be going on and on because, you know, in the time that we have, you can barely touch the surface with everything that's to be said. I mean, we barely even touch on sponsorships and what that means as far as ROI goes for hybrid events. And that is really the number one probably seller when it comes to a hybrid event because your sponsor will want it. As far as where I can be found, um, Trifan Events, T-R-E-E-F-A-F, F-A-N-E-V-E-N-T-S.com. I promise I can do tech better than I can spell. Um, <laughs> and then eventdemystify.com is where I land all my podcast episodes. You can find me on Instagram um, at trifun underscore events or events demystify podcast. And um, on the conversation about, you know, hybrid events, that's pretty much what I'm talking about this um, this entire uh, year, hybrid events. Uh, this year, actually, 
in July, I'm releasing an episode every Friday, which is unlike my regular schedule, just because it's the anniversary uh, month. So it's going to be a lot of talk about hybrid events. And uh, if you um, if you care to listen, um, I know that I, I listened to um, this podcast, Better Events, and I was telling uh, both of you how, you know, I was taking notes on, on one of the episodes because you were t- talking and giving a lot of good tips about contingency planning. And that is so important. And as we move into hybrid events, that's even more so important because it has to be considered and has you have to have a plan. Again, going back to hoping for the best, but uh, uh, planning for the worst is really not uh, and not something that should be taken lightly. And um, and we'll make sure that your event, you know, is a successful one and a great experience, which is what we all want. <laughs> Anka, you read my mind because yes, the sporting event that I just did, we were, I was essentially the in-person producer and we had a TV producer, but we did have to sit down and have a mutual rehearsal and scenario planning of what happens. You know, you do have to prioritize. Yeah. What happens if the stream goes down? Does the event stop and wait for the stream to come back or does the event continue and you have something else to entertain the virtual audience and with TV and live sports, they've been having to do that forever, but it is something that you have to have that conversation about. If you just assume you both know what you're doing things are going to happen. So I feel like yep. we're going to have to have you on again, Anga, by like the end of the year, we'll have to do a, an episode update because I feel like you're you're already a wealth of knowledge and you'll have learned so much more even in the coming uh, six months. So I we really appreciate this. I mean, exchange time. notes on those events. Ooh, that's priceless. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, the the mind melding that's happening. I know our episode with you on your podcast is talking about some community over competition. And I feel like this is just also another good um, mind melding here. So again, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, before we wrap us up, we're going to do a quick bonus tip and uh, I'll be bringing us the bonus tip of the week. And so mine is to think about what the first five minutes of your virtual event include. And I say this because I think a lot of people forget about it. You think about your keynote speaker or your breakouts or your activities, but you forget about whatever the first five minutes. This is the first impression you're giving your attendees. And so whatever feeling you want them to feel, whether it's a joyful celebration or a more serious discussion, those five minutes help you set the tone. And so what do I mean by that? That's opening with a If you have an opening slideshow or a slide as people enter your virtual event with background music that is invoking whatever theme you want. So again, if it's a celebratory celebratory episode or episode webinar (laughs) um, or event, making sure you're playing celebratory music. Or if you want people to be a little bit more personal and open, maybe starting with breakouts or having a host on screen who's personally you know, welcoming people as they come in. Um, It's often something when I'm an attendee at an event, you can quickly turn me off if I've I attend your virtual event and it seems like you didn't think through what you were doing in those first few minutes, whether you were still last minute trying to tech check someone and we're all hearing that tech check or your opening video doesn't play. It just shows attention to detail and it's an easy way to either hook your audience in and make them fans forever or to lose them very quickly. Because unlike in person where I'd have to walk out and get back in my car and drive away with virtual events um, or even this hybrid as we talked about today, all I have to do is click a little red X and I'm gone. So think about what you're going to do with those first five minutes and you'll be setting yourself up for success. Awesome tip. Thank you, Logan. That's great. And if you want to follow um, our podcast and learn more about it, or if you have any topic suggestions, we're always open to any ideas that you have. So feel free to connect. You can reach out to us at thebettereventspod at gmail.com or follow us on social media at bettereventspod. And in the show notes, we'll link all of these wonderful things that we've talked about today linking. And we'll also link um, our personal social media accounts as well for me and Logan, if you want to follow us personally or professionally. 
And thanks so much for joining us. It's been a great episode. And so until next time, thanks everyone. Yep. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye guys. Mm -hmm.